Welcome to the family with Doug Sprinthal, Alex Brampernard Rasmussen. Hello, Catherine Brandt. What's going on? Andy Brampernard. <laughs> and Cassie Schrader, I think. Sweet. So said, welcome to my family. Also, I realized I am not miked. Nice job. <laughs> we'll be right back. Kick things off with the family. Doug Sprinthal, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Stay tuned after the family podcast for Car Selling Secrets by Walzer Automotive Group. Randy Qualley will be our special guest. We're going to talk about how we used to take advantage of the poor and the innocent and the wealthy back before we saw the light and went to the one price selling system. This is going to be a really interesting Before show. it was cool to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's everything. It. That's the whole thing. Well, I could I could go on and on. Well, you do usually. But that's only a, a, to piss off Michael Bryant. So that's, <laughs> the, that's the good part about that one. Ladies and gentlemen, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? At, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. We're belting it out here today, ladies and gentlemen. Belting. Melissa's back. Back. And she has a mic. So we don't have to worry about anything in the United States. Like I said, I was talking to BJ, and I said uh, they were promising since I was a little boy that oh, they're gonna they were gonna dump so much dough into North Minneapolis. We're gonna improve. Everything's gonna be great, and very little has happened. I just what what he was talking about was. This father program, they yeah. just decide that that's not c- cool anymore? What? Yeah, I know. Fathers, How can they, they just stop yeah, funding things? I don't understand. I know what you're saying. I don't understand it either. But I was really glad that I, I walk in and say, God, VJ's here. That's, yeah. I, I didn't know he was coming in. Well, I, I mean, I personally think that you know the lack of fatherhood in the home is one of the biggest problems it's that huge. kids are having. And that should be something that they should be expanding, not defunding. Now, wait a minute, because uh. Hoyt Wilhelm, the uh, mayor of New York City, is really stepping up. Why? What is that his do? real name? Hoyt Wilhelm? Is that his real name? Hoyt Wilhelm? This is a for the Yankees. I think it's Warren Wilhelm. Warren Wilhelm, that's uh. his name. Hoyt, Warren, whatever. <laughs> I love how I changed my name to Bill DeMazio so instead of Warren Wilhelm. 
But he's cracking down on crime in New York City, and I want you to know this. I'm going to read this story. You're going to be so impressed with how the city of New York is protecting the people. Okay. All right? I'm impressed already. New York City is cracking down on something you might not expect. Ice cream trucks. Oh, no. On Wednesday, city sheriff started seizing 46 trucks, the culmination seizing? of a two... Seizing? yeah. <laughs> seizing. <Sorry. laughs> it says seizing right here. The culmination of a two-year investigation into the industry, uh, officials say that from 2009 to 2017, ice cream trucks racked up more than 22,000 traffic violations, including running red lights, blocking crosswalks, and parking in front of fire hydrants, <sighs> among other things. Menace to society. But instead of paying the fines, officials say truck owners created dozens of shell companies and re-registered the trucks under those uh, company names at the DMV. Uh. Even trading ownership of companies with each other. That way, by the time the city went to collect on a debt, there was no record of the company that had been fined. They're cracking down on ice cream trucks when people are getting massacred in the street. Yeah, meanwhile, murder rates are up 55% since last year. In New York, New York City? City? Yep. My Isn't God. that... Un- the, let's get the ice cream vendors. They, they're, they care more about tax money than yes, they do they about do. crime. That's all mm-hmm. they care about is money. Yes. It's all about money. Money and power. Money and power. Is. I just, I saw that story and I thought, really? You're cracking down on ice cream trucks? <laughs> so okay. Where, where is all the murder in New York City now? North Brooklyn. I was going to say, it's not in Manhattan. No. And no. it's not in Harlem anymore. It's northern Brooklyn, apparently, is the problem. Okay. That's the problem 400% area. increase in murders in northern Brooklyn compared to last Good year. Lord, what wow. happened? Well, that's right on the border of Queens, right? I, I don't know. Yeah. I thought the Queens was the... <clears throat> gentrifying area. It is now. Yeah, Brooklyn well, Brooklyn is, now, is too. Well, no, Brooklyn, Brooklyn's down Brooklyn. unaffordable. Brooklyn. Yeah, down by the bridge. <laughs> yes. Right, exactly. That's doing some big news. Dan Sheehy, just in case you're listening, I'll call you back after the show. <laughs> Let's see what the New York Times thinks the murder spike is all about. Yeah. White people, probably? Probably it's all white people's fault. Well, the New York Times is Damn just... Damn Norwegians and their left's operations. <laughs> Their shell op ludicrous. Okay, well, Andy's looking <laughs> that up. Another hard-hitting headline here. Hard-hitting. Madonna says somebody crossed lines. You know who that was that crossed lines, according to Madonna? No. Who cares? Harvey Weinstein. Oh, well. well Didn't he common. rape women? Yeah. He raped women. That's well, crossing I mean, a line, apparently. Not really. Yes, he did. Well, he forced he did. himself on women. Yeah. That's called rape. <laughs> and he didn't have to pay a dime of the fine. Did you hear that? Oh, did the company cover it? $40 million. The, the insurance. company insurance covered it. Yep. So basically you and I paid his fine. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. All right, in any case. Apparently it's all gangs, which no yeah, surprise it's there. It's all gangs. America won't do anything about gangs. Well, and once again, th- this was 32, 33 years ago. I told the chief of police in North Minneapolis on the air, you better do something about these gangs developing. We don't have any gangs in Minneapolis. I said, you're blind, man. You absolutely do. You might want to get out of the car once in a while when you're driving through North Minneapolis. That's so, BJ. He seems to know where they are. <laughs> yeah, BJ yeah. knows where the gangs are. But yeah, there was a little move on me because my dad was gone. It's like, well, let's see if we can get him to do something for us because I could get into places they couldn't. See, to have a white guy would have been really good because I could go places they couldn't go. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the you know mid-60s. That was a long time ago. Far too long ago, if you ask me, you know. <laughs> But such is life. What are you going to do? So I, I just think, <coughs> I just really wish our politicians weren't in it for the money. That would be really nice if they weren't just in it for the money. Do you hear about this 
lunatic over at Franklin and uh, and Lindale? No. Uh, guy's name is uh, his name is Ahmed Abed. Okay. So I made a bed. Is basically yeah. his name. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say what? You made a bed? Yeah, I made a bed. <laughs> I'll um, go lay in it, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll go. Well, let's go lay in it and take care of business. Uh, he he's uh, started a GoFundMe page. Uh, to raise a 1.5 million dollars to open up a restaurant in the old Rudolphs. Yeah, uh, right, right. The old Rudolphs. Uh, 1.5 million. He doesn't want to pay for it. He wants <laughs> you and me to, to kick in money to pay for it. And uh, then it was revealed that he uh, he's posted a lot of really anti-Semitic rants on Facebook. Oh, the Cheers place. So he raised the money yes. already. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> Uh, I don't think he's going to be raising any money. I got to be honest with you. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think uh, he's going to be raising any money. This guy. Um, well, here I'm going to. I'm just going to read yeah, the, you the story because it the is, place is called Cheers. It's called Cheers, right? And now there's Which a. Which I would assume would be trade. Yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's what yeah. I it thought was. too. Yeah, I, it was, I think so it I still is, and it's the it. same. Yeah, the, I mean, you go to Boston. Like, they, there is a yes, Cheers. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Oh, yeah, here we go. It moved down in importance on the Star Tribune website, so I had to find it. But I did find it. Uh, and I love the response of certain people. A growing number of people, all right, including Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry, have denounced a new gay-friendly bar scheduled to open later this month after allegations that the owner has a history of posting hateful sentiments toward Jewish people on social media. I'd say they're more than hateful sentiments. i got to be honest with you. This week, a bar called Cheers launched a GoFundMe page asking for $1.5 million in donations to aid its mission to preserve the LGBTQ community. Cheers planned to open June 1st, the weekend of Twin Cities Pride, at 1933 Lindell Avenue South, the, faith, uh, the space formerly occupied by Rudolph's Barbecue for many, many years. Andy Berkey, a former journalist, uh, he saw the GoFundMe campaign and wanted to know more about the ownership, so Berkey's online sleuthing led him to the Facebook page of owner Ahmed Abed. So it is I made a bed. I was close enough. Um, the page contains several posts attacking members of the Jewish faith and calling Americans stupid. Okay, now here's a guy well, came to America and here's how he feels about all of us. I hate Israel and Israelis. I hate America for supporting Israel. Uh, reads one post provided in a screenshot by Berkey. America is run by Zionist Jews. The average American is dumb. Did you know that Israel and its people must be eliminated from existence? He then compares Israelis to cancer. Oh, oh my. So basically, it's it even worse real. and worse. Oh, like full name is Ahmad Yusuf Abed. You made yourself a bed? Yeah. That's, uh, I like it. Hmm. Hey, whatever. And then right. on top of all these comments and the fact that he's somehow. Oh. So the GoFundMe account, I don't know if it was... Well, so he's an anti-Semite and he's pro-LGBT. Yeah, I don't get that. That's either. got to be like a population <laughs> yeah. of one in the world. Well, right? I yeah. have a feeling Especially that the LGBT so thing is just a way to bilk people out of money. Well, but... kind of looks like it. If he... Would you stop? What? <laughs> Daisy's digging a bed. Daisy. She is making her bed. She's amounting her... I was going to say, she's amounting a mod a bed. <laughs> <laughs> No, but um, it doesn't make any sense because, um, yeah, Muslims don't believe in yeah um, in, in being 
gay. So yeah, I have <laughs> like, a feeling this yeah. is just if a way against, to. If they're against Israel, then they're also against LGBTQ. Well, I mean, yeah. if you wanted to scam <laughs> Minneapolis out of money, that's like the angle you would go to. It's either that or like you know some sort of white guilt thing. Because it's Minneapolis. Yeah, well, it is Minneapolis. It's true. So he's probably well, he was probably smart in I'm, pretending I'm to all, be all yeah. gay friendly. But not people that. are gonna know that it's fake. Because they are now. If they have any idea about any other religion in the world they other don't. than their own, believe which, me, well, they don't. In people that have come to, to the United States and have been Muslim and have been here for many years, I'm sure they're becoming more tolerant in their views. Yeah, but they combine must, that with maybe. the whole wipe out Israel thing. It becomes it be, less yeah. less likely that he is actually yeah. pro gay. If at they're all. going to be, you know, that gung ho about anti Israel, they're more than likely going to follow exactly. other belief system beliefs yeah. in their system. Okay, when he was reached by phone yesterday, <laughs> what did Abed say? What? What did Abed say when he was <laughs> reached by phone? That's right. That's what I think he throw said. Throw the Jew down the well. Uh, uh, no, he said. God. Um. This guy. This guy. I told them a million times on that thread, I'm not anti-Semitic, he said. My best <laughs> friends are Jews. I love them and I they love me. Oh, my God. <laughs> so who posted this on your page and why didn't you take it down? Yeah, why didn't you oh, take that's it? totally like the whole fair life thing with mm -hmm. the cows. Oh, they yeah. Coca-Cola responded and they were like, our number one priority is the health and safety Cow of safety. our cows and it's like we, obviously not by the time that video was posted all those people had been fired already so i know but obviously they don't care too much because they're not monitoring how they're being cared for well, i mean what are they supposed to do have snipers on the roof right no Touch they can cow, have you have a supervisor yeah you have a supervisor doesn't allow you have, anybody to act like a jerk yeah, you have random cow. audits you have they yeah, were already fired by the time the video was no, posted. i'm saying well, before I'm saying, this to prevent this yes, from happening in the first it place never have happened they, you can take Proactive yeah. Yeah. But measures. But unfortunately, there's. Is it possible that some of the no people listening to well, yeah, this have no like idea what you're talking people. about? <laughs> it was like three people. No, the Coca-Cola owns Fairlife Life Farms, which mm -hmm. is a milk dairy, a dairy industry, yeah. and apparently, an undercover employee was taking videos of really horrific situations in the barns, mm. and that's been leaked to the media. Okay. And yeah. so now. Everybody's mad at pet Coke, 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 Coca Cola, Coca Cola, Coca Cola. Catherine, you backstabber. Yeah. Well, so here's more. But don't, evidence. but don't just do hashtag Coke because you don't know what you're going to come <laughs> up with. Like I, like, I know. <laughs> I brought this. I brought this up. Yeah. She puts in hashtag Coke and all these cocaine yeah. stories. I brought, I brought this up yesterday, and she's like, I'm going to see if this is even true, and like looks it up on Twitter and does hashtag Coke. And the first thing that comes up is like, my favorite thing be doing. And coke off her butt or something. I was like, you can't just you coke my back on Twitter. Can't be the meme. Yeah. No, the upside of this what? A little more evidence that I made you a bed is not. I made you a bed is a scam. Let's see. So he said, there's no guarantee that it's going to become a gay bar. So he's going to buy the building, but he can't guarantee that it's actually going to be what he, he says it's going to be. God, he wants the money. And he says, it seems like that was not received well. If I were them, I'd be grateful someone is trying to create a hangout. Mm. Uh, this guy sounds yes, a little of the sketchy. Saloon and the gay 90s. <laughs> yeah, I vote yeah, not really. to give him any money. <laughs> Anybody? Yeah, All hands. He is the owner of a 
group called the Red Star Group. What's that? What does that mean? Commies? That's a good question. Well, let me I read wonder. this while you're looking. Among those who noticed Berkey's post was Sam Doton, who helped plan a protest titled, and I love this protest title, Queers Against Cheers. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what a great heavens. name. Oh, I love that name. It's a great name. Those homosexuals are known for their humor. Yes, they are. <laughs> uh, set to uh, take place at Cheers on the opening day. As of Wednesday afternoon, nearly 300 people said on Facebook they plan to attend. An owner of a restaurant is going to come in and ask for a million and a half dollars for an unproven business. I think he can come in and make it uh, a buck off our community while insulting us, Doton said. Yeah. There's another benefit. It's called Lachaim, Twin Cities Unite to Fight Anti-Semitism and Hatred. So, yeah, I... Uh, oh, and then a guy, another guy named uh, Camp. He's like uh, Chad Camp. Uh, being in a marginalized community already and having somebody from outside come in and try to profit off that community without doing any diligence or any work within that community is always problematic. Who uh, said Camp, who was gay and Jewish. <laughs> I personally don't think this bar is going to open. Yeah, <laughs> really? yeah it doesn't that, sound... Is that what you think? And it was supposed to open this week? 21st of June. Oh, 21st. Yeah, I have um, there. Because I've been, I was by there a week or so ago. It didn't look like there was anything going on. No. Yeah, I have a good amount of people that have been waitresses or are waitresses or whatever on my Facebook, and it's making the rounds of like, don't work here, don't go here, oh, don't. Yeah, yeah. We'll take a break. Be right back. We got Andy's. Uh, are you looking up more information there, Andrew? It is a motor carrier. Red Star Group. It's a like a trucking business. What's a trucking deal? Red Star. Red Star Group. Red Star Trucking. All right. Sounds good to me. Why not? Cool. Uh, We will be right back with the family. It's Tom Bernard with North American Banking Company CEO and my buddy, Michael Bilski. Michael, let's say somebody has a plan to expand their business this year. How can North American Banking Company get that job done? At North American Banking Company, we'll take time to understand the customer's needs and wants and their plans for the future. Once we have a good understanding of that, we'll try to solve their financing dilemma. We won't take a cookie-cutter approach to any financing situation. Wonderful. So if I need cash to expand my podcast, you got a plan for me too? No. (laughs) (laughs) God, thank you. I see where this is going. Well, we love working with you. We can help any business, including a podcast that's already very successful. Who's better than you? That's what I want to know. I still never liked you, though. You are. No, I never. Don't try to make up. I don't (laughs) Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and an equal housing lender? Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. 
could be uh, CCR, too. They did this, too, didn't they? This is Marvin. It is Marvin. Marvin. by the guitar work. The greatest in your ever I, I skated to this for a showcase, and I literally was dressed up as a raisin. A raisin? <laughs> California raisin. Oh, that's right. They yeah. used this music, didn't they? Yeah. Well, oh, they kind of think that through. It through the <laughs> I got first you this place. Was a good idea. I got first place. Oh, the judges okay. loved it. I, okay. My mom even made boot covers for my figure skates that looked like saddle shoes. I oh. had the big sequin blue bow tie. I had this oh huge, <laughs> wow, per- pruny looking thing. On. Cool. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. It never looked better. Yeah. I'm sure. It looked like a big blanket. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Indiana's Achilles Castijan was proud to receive a trophy top to the gold star at a fifth grade awards luncheon at Bailey Preparatory Academy in Gary, Indiana last month. His parents, however, were peeved. While other students received awards for best student, most improved, and class clown, the trophy given to Achilles, a nonverbal 11-year-old with autism, read... Oh, my God. Oh, God. Don't do this. They he is a, uh, yeah, he's an 11-year-old with autism. He's nonverbal. They gave him a trophy, and it was engraved, Most Annoying Male. Oh, oh my God. You're so what? Rude. Why would you do that? I don't know. What about what a joke? Think? Well, I'm pretty sure he didn't get it. Well, yeah, because well, autistic. We don't know because we can't ask him for comment, can yeah. we? Well, usually autistic people they don't get sarcasm they don't understand no. No. yeah <laughs> just because they have special needs doesn't mean they don't have feelings father rick castajan yeah. tells the times of northwest indiana he adds teachers often called with concerns about a calis uh, who can easily become emotional and sometimes rocks back and forth for a teacher to do that i believe it was a huge mistake i also feel it's how he uh, she feels about my son Mother Estella Castijan tells WGN, she said she demanded an apology from both the principal and the teacher, but didn't receive one. In a Monday statement, however, Peter uh, Maricus, the Gary Community School Corporation's emergency manager, extended deepest apologies to the impacted student, the family, and anyone else who takes offense to this unfortunate occurrence. He added disciplinary action was taken without elaborating. Rick Castajon says officials discussed suspending or firing the teacher who was absent from a May 27th school event that followed the awards. Yes, let's give an autistic kid who's nonverbal most annoying male trophy. Do people ever think anything through? <laughs> no, I mean, not anymore. Just spend a second thinking I, about it. Well, just, and it's also like, even if it was a joke and we don't know if he could or could not understand it, Right. it's also just teaching people to be rude. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Just plain out being rude. <laughs> like, it's, it's not yeah. okay to do that no. in any circumstance, whether you know they can or cannot understand. Right, yeah. It's just not nice. Yeah. Okay, I'll read a headline, and you tell me if you want me to read this story or not, because I don't even know what it's about. It's been 70 years since there's been a July 4th speech like Trump's. What? It's not July 4th yet, so what what does that mean? It means preemptively discussing the 4th of July. Since it will have been. (laughs) More details are emerging about President Trump's 4th of July event in Washington, which the New York Times describes as the next best thing to Trump's axed military parade. As hundreds of thousands gather at the National Mall for the celebration, Trump will, uh, Trump will address the nation from the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. The last president to do anything similar was Harry Truman, who in 1951 spoke in front of the Washington Monument on the 4th. 
The U.S. Park Police confirms Trump will speak at the memorial. We continue to work with the White House in creating a Salute to America program that will bring Americans from all over the country together in a celebration of our great nation. Uh, the Washington Post points out uh, a slew of new security and logistical challenges. So he's trying to bring the country together. Look, I'm not a huge Donald Trump fan. I do wish he'd shut up. I really do. Everybody but he's trying does. to do something nice, and he gets criticized for that even. Well, and on top of that, it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't even happened <laughs> yet. It's pretty it's surprising, criticism. though, We're that pre -complaining. No, no president in 70 years has done a 4th of July speech. That it's is weird. Very That's weird. That's because they're always out there, you know, mansion on the sea. Yeah, everybody's gone. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm not surprised you, Harry Truman was there because he's usually at a KKK meeting uh, during the, the 4th of July. <laughs> Trying to get out of high school. People don't really realize that he was a Klan member. People do not like to know that. But, you know, uh, such as... No one really cares anymore. Yikes. If they're a Klan member, I'm pretty People sure... People care. You know, I'm pretty sure he's been dead for a while. Well, he has been dead for a while. Okay, so here's the deal now. There's been no comment from the White House, but some Democrats have piped up with criticism that Trump's speech will change the flavor of the staunchly nonpartisan event. People are going to be angry. He's the President of the United States. Well, I mean, she's not wrong. People are going to be angry. Why? Stupid yeah, but for no matter angry. what, yeah. anybody's exactly. going to be did you, did angry. You hear what, did you hear what Pelosi said today? No. No. She said she hopes to someday see President her. Trump in prison. Oh, oh good boy. For her. So you're wishing the President of the United States should to go to prison. How she is that good for the country? She didn't have that five or six seconds where she said she was going to try to work with yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Why would you say that to the American people? I, because that's what, mm, uh, that's what they're doing. Disappointingly high proportion of the country wants to hear. Oh, it's just, it, it's so disgusting. I, there's nobody I dislike that much. Nobody on earth that I dislike that much. I doubt that. Before we left. What do you mean you doubt that? You don't uh, want to see Harvey Weinstein in prison? That's not my business. I still want to pay his bills. <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't think anyone's going to be paying his bills. Except but I don't hate him. I don't know him. I don't uh, hate him. I can think of three people right now. Well, the people that stole from me? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Oh, Why? Well, I, I don't, no, I don't want to see them in prison. I like to see them Oh, dead. I do. I'd like to yeah, see well, okay. Dead. Well, that's, okay, that's better. Yeah, as president. That last very long. Couple yeah. of shots to the back of the head. That'll be good. Yeah. Have you guys talked about the teenager who paid to take his family to Disney from Minnesota? Yes. No. Isn't that wonderful? Me. Did you guys talk about it? It was me. Yeah. No, you bring it up. Who? It um, is a great so story. His name is Isaiah Tuckett. He's from Minnesota, and he's 14 years old. He baked thousands uh, upon, upon thousands of cupcakes to take his entire family to Disney World because Aww. his whole life he's been wanting to Disney to go to Disney, and his family just always kept pushing off. Because and then he figured out that it's probably because they don't have money. Aww. Aww. Well, get off your ass and get a job. Let's go. He well, did. I mean, he did. He you have to pretty much take a mortgage out to go to Disney. Well, that's pretty much true. Can you imagine how much, with all the kids we have, how much it oh, costs? God. Yeah. yeah, you'd have Isn't to do like two, two of you every year. How Disney World is so expensive and yet it is packed 24 hours a day. It is. It's like, how are. Mm -hmm. There's certain times of the year where it's money, cheaper, and people you know. that live in Florida get a, a huge discount. Oh, do yeah. they? A huge yes. discount, oh. yeah. So yes. there's ways of doing it mm -hmm. cheaper. Yeah. And I think I think larger groups can probably get discounts on tickets. No. Yeah, he does bar mitzvahs. 
he made he did 750 cupcakes in one weekend wow so, and he sells them for twenty dollars a dozen I, I don't think he should be telling people the money he's making because the IRS is going to yeah. come yeah. out. Yeah. 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 Hopefully he's reported. Oh. He's 14, so. Do 14-year-olds have to report their income? Nope. No. Don't they? They're not legally. No. no they're not huh. no. It depends on how much you make. Yeah, it is. I'm not sure get, if they're making $50 million. Yeah, what, I need to get Fawn to work. Fawn. Yeah, the child <laughs> actors. Make pies. Making something. Millions. I'm sure they're paying taxes. What's cut off? 60000 Yeah. Then you have to declare. Uh, Florida residents can get, oh, for a limited time, $50 a day for four days yeah, per person. Cheap. That's cheap. Yeah. Oh, it's really going in July. Oh, God. Wait, what? 6,000 degrees. Yeah. Oh, okay. Never mind. That's terrible. So the total price is $200 for four days plus tax, so however much that is, but... The thing that they do very well there, though, is they keep everything. Like the lines are always in shade, undercover. There's there are always I've fans. I've never been. Oh, best. Kids are old enough; they don't want to go it's now. The best. best time to go is in October. October is when the kids are all back in school. Yeah. <laughs> October, like February. Yeah. Yeah. Not February. Late January. Right after. Right after. Late New right. Year's apparently. Yeah. Late January, early February, and yeah. October. Makes like sense. we went not in the spring at all, ever, any day <laughs> in the spring. Don't go. Don't go. Don't it's go. True. Yeah, we went right after our wedding, which was October eighteenth, yeah. and yeah. yeah, it was. I when mean, it was there were people, but it wasn't. What? When's your wedding date? And the weather was good. October thirteenth. Thirteenth, and yours is what the eighteenth. Eighteenth, yeah. Yeah, do we have to put up with that for an entire week for the rest of our lives? And then and his happy birthday. Anniversary. <laughs> happy being, anniversary to he's everyone. He's just being Tom. Oh, Don't worry about it. Why a week? And saying and saying happy anniversary is such a huge it's stressful. Issue. I mean, I mean, Fawn got like five days of a birthday. Yeah. So. Yes, she did. <laughs> she only three. She absolutely did that. She actually has another birthday celebration. Oh my gosh! In <laughs> herself. A week. No, it's like the ra all the Rasmussens oh, and all the birthdays yes. that are happening. Mm -hmm. But she'll get presents and stuff. <laughs> oh my God! It's never it's ending. You can never actually ending. look up crowd calendars for Disney World. Oh yeah, yes. they're not all that accurate though. <laughs> Well, because I mean, well, every me. once in a while, it's like, oh, there's a, when we went with Dan for the first time, there was like some Brazilian holiday oh. that everyone from yeah. Brazil yeah. went to Disney World. Lots of chanting and yelling. So many yeah. soccer chants yes. in every line. Yeah. But it, it does ridiculous. agree with you that the last 10 days of January, except, well, no, the last nine, the 21st is bad because it's a national holiday. Martin Luther King Day. I guess. Oh, yeah. And then, any, but the 10 days after that forget it. are all good. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so <clears throat> but year. basically every other day the entire year is bad. So <laughs> every other day. What goes on in February? Uh, well, there's a couple of days, break. but they're there's like the fifth and sixth. They're good. The eleventh is yeah, good. But see what Disney figured out is these crowd calendars work for them too because yep. it's like oh crowds are low we'll just give a special yep. and they'll <laughs> yeah. exactly. pack them in. But yep. yeah, the safest time to go to Disney World the last nine days of January. Hmm. Uh, by the way, I was corrected. He, she did not call him President Trump. She said Trump. Of course she did. I don't want to see him impeached. I want to see him in prison. Why would you say that? Uh, these I people lost their minds. Because it's a soap opera. Oh, my God. It's just so <laughs> it's disgusting, true. these the, people. The difficult Ish. thing about this whole Trump presidency thing, 
politics aside, yeah. it's just people treating people poorly. Yeah, yes. no, you're absolutely right. There's no reason Being for obnoxious it. and rude well, in every Yeah, it's like, I mean, on the cover dance. of Time magazine, his Donald Trump was on the cover, but he had a pig nose. It's oh like, God, how is that so a way to treat nose? a human being? I agree. Yeah. You I know, agree and the whole Nancy Pelosi clapback thing. Did you guys see no, that? No, what's the clapback thing? He was... Um, I don't remember what he was doing, but there was this picture of Nancy Pelosi where she's doing this. Oh yeah. To him, and it went like all crazy viral, and there's like cartoons of it and all this stuff, and T-shirts, and she's selling these T-shirts of her like. Being oh, yeah. And I'm like, just, you're being rude. Yep. And everybody thinks it's so great, and, and it's like just okay. It's like why? Said, it's a soap opera. It's. Have you, you know. been out and about lately? But then you people see, and rude. then all these people that are like, oh, Nancy Pelosi's clapback was the greatest thing ever, blah, blah, blah. And then they post the Martin Luther King, like, darkness yeah. cannot drive out darkness. Exactly. Only light can do that. It's like, mm -hmm. you're being a dick. You pick yeah. and choose your <laughs> moments like, to so, be yeah. nice. Yeah, it's like, it's violence not. Violence is bad unless it's the violence that I want to commit. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Unless it's the people that I don't like, yep. then it's totally fine. One of my friends, actually, she never posts anything about politics or anything on Facebook, but she did one day and she said, I never watched the news. I decided, you know what, I want to know what's going on today. So she turned mm -hmm. the news on and it was when... Um, Pelosi and Trump were just fighting back and forth mm -hmm. like children. Right. And she was just like, I can't believe that leaders of our country are just acting like children. You know, she, she's a teacher and she's like, I have kids that if they act acted better like than this, that. Yes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and and she's like, she just can't. And she's like, this is why I don't watch the news because now it's just children Throwing tantrums on yeah. TV. <laughs> the sad thing is that's how it is everywhere now. And at least in the yeah, West. Yeah, because, and there's I mean, no like resolution. You look at the UK news, it's just anti-Brexit calling Brexit Basically. racists and Nazis and right. Brexit yeah. calling anti-Brexit socialists. And there's never any resolution. It's not like, no. oh, we bickered and then ended on a They can never positive. agree on anything. Because yeah. it's about sides. It's not about yeah. actual, like, policy or anything. There's no, like, acceptance. There's no, it's, mm -hmm. you know. President Trump paid his first visit to Ireland as President Wednesday, and he did not endear himself to his host with a remark about a border wall. Trump, who met with Leo Varadkar, I guess it would be Ireland's prime minister, in the VIP lounge at Shannon Airport, told the leader that he thought Brexit will work out very well, and also for you with your wall, your border. There was a quiet gasp from the Irish people present after the remark, according to the Irish Times. Well, that's interesting because I clicked on that Irish Times link and the word gasp does not appear. Really? Mm. Oh, so this is the American version of the song. Yep. Other oh, story, I mean, excuse me. Yeah, Everyone they... went pale and some people started vomiting. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Could they let it go and stop nope. changing the, the way things are laid out? What did he mean by your wall, though? What did I think he, he misspoke. I think he equates border with wall because every time he mentions the border, he's also talking about the wall. We'll take a break. Be right back with the family. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry, this 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. I'm talking to Neil Sheehy, ex-NHL defenseman. Neil, you've had great success following the Nutramost Wellness Plan. How much weight did you lose? 
Tom, I dropped over 63 pounds in 44 days. But more importantly, I know how to keep it off. That's great. What makes Nutramost different from all of those other programs out there? In addition to my success, I have two brothers and two sisters who had great success on the Nutramost wellness program. And collectively, we all lost a total of 222 pounds on the program. My brother and I were so impressed that we decided to open up a clinic in Plymouth. Find out how and why Nutramost is unlike any other weight loss plan by attending the Nutramost free dinner at 6.30 p.m. on Tuesday, June 4th at Jake's in Plymouth. Nutramost guarantees that you lose 20 pounds or more. Register for the Nutramost dinner or schedule your immediate consultation. Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. Yeah, I know you. Oh, really? This is what you're going with? Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Julian Smith, the book is called Aloha Rodeo, Three Hawaiian Cowboys, the World's Greatest Rodeo, and a Hidden History of the American West. I'm learning more and more about the American West on a daily basis. Julian, how are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? Marvelously well. So uh, I've learned, and I did not know this, but I learned just recently that... uh, I believe a quarter of American cowboys were black. Another quarter of the American cowboys were were Mexican, and actually, the the name cowboys came from caballeros. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know any of this stuff, and now I find out there are Hawaiian cowboys, which I didn't. Yeah, know the either. history of the West is a lot more complex and interesting than you might think. It's not <laughs> quite black and white. It absolutely is. So Aloha Rodeo, three Hawaiian cowboys, the world's greatest rodeo, and a hidden history of the American West. Julia, I just want to hand it off to you, because I just learned about this just a few months ago, and now this is another chapter I did not know about. Yeah, it's actually a really fascinating and barely known outside of Hawaii part of the history of not just the West, but of Hawaii also. I think it's so how, okay, now, so you're talking about in the late 1800s. Right, late 1800s, early 1900s. Although the story goes back, yeah, it goes back to the very end of the 18th century where the first cattle were delivered to Hawaii by English explorers oh. as a gift to the king. All right, because, yeah, Hawaii didn't become part of the United States until, uh, what, 1960, 59, something like that? 50s. Yeah, becoming a state, but it, it was actually uh, annexed long before that. At the very end of the 19th century. At the very end of the 19th century, okay. Because, yeah, I was, I was a little boy when uh, Alaska and Hawaii were brought in as the uh, 49th and 50th states. So I know a little bit about it, but I don't know any about this at all, Julian. So where do we start? Well, like we said, the first cattle arrived in Hawaii at the end of the, at the 18th century. And since they were a gift to the king, there was a prohibition on messing with them or killing them. Well, that's so good. They, yeah, so they, they started to kind of reproduce and basically run rampant across the islands, digging up gardens, spearing people with their horns. These were longhorns from uh, the West Coast. And okay. pretty soon they realized that they needed some help to uh, learn how to control these cattle. So they brought in some vaqueros, some Spanish cowboys, from uh, what's now Mexico and California to teach them how to basically be cowboys. And that's how the Paniolo tradition was born. So how many how many cows are we talking about here? That, that were, that... Uh, early on, we're talking thousands, if not tens of thousands, of these longhorns with a six-foot uh, span of horns running over pretty much every island they were introduced to. 
and they were they were wild cattle. They were ferocious, and so taking taking care of them and uh, lassoing them and controlling them was uh, one of the toughest jobs you can imagine. I, I have an ignorant question: Were there horses in the Hawaiian Islands at that time, or were they imported as well? They were imported uh, a few decades after the cattle, so early nineteen. Oh, after the cattle. Oh, that must have been a little tough uh, to, to wrangle those cattle without horses, I would imagine. Right, right. So once you put those two together, plus a little bit of uh, instruction from the Mexican vaqueros, uh, the Hawaiians really took to took to the job like it was uh, second nature eventually. So by the middle of the 19th century, they were uh, going around on all these islands, mostly the, the big islands because that had the, the largest uh, areas. So they, uh, yeah, they, the job that they were doing was pretty unbelievable. They would have to rope these wild cattle in the dense jungle, take them down the mountain, drive them across these barren lava fields with no water, and eventually take them down onto the beach and drive them into the surf because the ships couldn't pull up to the docks. They were, they oh, were yeah. wading out in the deeper water. Right. So uh, they had to basically swim these cattle out to the wading ships. And since it's, uh, you know, it's Hawaii, it's in the middle of the Pacific, every so often a shark would cruise by and uh, take a chomp. Oh, God. Unbelievable. So, so why did the cows, why were the cows sent to Hawaii in the first place again? I'm, I forgot. They were, uh, they were a gift from the English. It was actually oh, English, Captain George. Right. Okay. Yeah, Captain George Vancouver dropped them off. And, you know, they're a way to uh, solidify relations between the two countries. But in an interesting kind of side note to that, they were also basically a, a tool of imperialism because they were a way for the English to kind of spread their culture, spread their, their Englishness around the world. I see. Now, I do have to ask you, Julian, were there any Samoan cowboys? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. Thank no. God, man. Those guys are gigantic yeah, Those cowboys. horses would be working. <laughs> yeah, those horses would be working with Samoan cowboys. Man. So, Julian, are, are you from Hawaii originally? No, I'm actually from the East Coast. But, oh, you are? Uh, I've been there many times on vacation and to research this book. I tell you, Julian, we uh, the first time Catherine and I, my wife and I, went to Hawaii, we uh, were on Hawa uh, Oahu, had a great time. The second time we took the kids to Kauai, it was it's it is stunningly beautiful. People have never been there. You see the pictures, and you go, yeah, well, you know, but it actually is much prettier in person than it is in the pictures or the or the videos. Yeah, that's why it, that makes this story even more surprising to a lot of people because it's a whole whole other side to the Hawaiian history besides the usual beaches and palm trees and surfers. And that's actually how we came across the story in the first place. Um, up in the town of Waimea in the highlands sure. of the Big Island, yep. there's a life-size statue of Ikua Purdy, who's the, the hero of our story, roping a cow. And, you know, you can imagine that's not really what you expect to find in the middle of Hawaii. So that's that's what kind of, that was the germ of the story that inspired us to dig deeper. And the, the deeper we dug, the, the more we found. God, it's so funny because I think it was 1983, maybe 84, the first time Catherine and I went to Hawaii. And at that time, I was pretty big into weightlifting, so I was, you know, pretty pretty bulky. And we went up to the Seven Pools, the Seven Sisters, I think it's called, on the way to Hana. And we're up there, and I'm just kind of standing there. And all of a sudden, these three gigantic Samoan guys walked up and walked right up to me and said, Why are you here? And I went, Oh, this ought to be fun. This ought to be a good time. But I said, Nah, we're not here for long. They said, Well, that's good. 
and just left. Wow. I, it oh. was unbelievable. But yeah, people don't know about the black sand beaches and all that. It's it's an amazing place. So now, were there was there a lot of fencing involved? Because I don't remember. You know, there obviously in the the pineapple plantations, all there's some fencing, but there's no not a whole hell of a lot of fencing in Hawaii back then. I wouldn't imagine to keep these not cows originally. under control. Yeah, not after the the first few decades, the cattle were uh, dropped off. There was there was really nothing to constrain them. They were just running free. But once the the Paniolos started doing their work, the that really started the ranching tradition. So yeah, right. they had fences and rock walls, and eventually, uh, about a third of the Hawaiian Islands at its peak were dedicated to ranching, which is kind of a, kind of an amazing statistic that we found. At one point, Hawaii had the largest privately owned ranch in the United States. I didn't know that. So who owned it? Uh, it was the Parker Ranch, which was kind of the center of our story on the Big Island. Um, and it's still there. You can still go visit. And it's one of many places where you can actually, you know, take a ride on a horse and see some of the same landscapes that uh, the heroes of our story experienced. One of my favorite stories about Hawaii right now is Mark Zuckerberg, the guy who owns uh, Facebook and all, you know, Instagram and all those other things. He was railing on the, the wall on the southern border of the United States. No, we shouldn't have walls in this world. Of course, people don't realize that he, he built a ranch or bought a ranch in Hawaii and tried to put a 12-foot wall around it. And the Hawaiian said, no, you're not putting a 12-foot wall around your ranch. So I just love these guys. Well, the, the, the Pope did. And look, I grew up Roman Catholic, but the Pope did the same thing. We shouldn't have walls. Well, there's a 37-foot wall around the Vatican, but... I guess he can have a wall, but you can And the Swiss can. Guard, right? And the Swiss Guard, yeah. true. And the that. Mafia. Right. That's the other part I love, is you see the Swiss Guard wherever he goes, and where there's one on every corner of the car, and outside those guards are four civilians. They're all Mafia guys. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. So, uh, what a story. So, how did you come to know this story, Julian? Well, if once we saw that statue in the parking lot of a, of a food lion in the right. center of this little town of Waimea, we started digging and looking through some old archives and talking to folks, talking to Hawaiians. And the story of these three Paniolo who went to Wyoming in 1908, it's kind of a local legend in Hawaii. A lot of people have heard of it, but only, you know, the facts get a little muddled and only in the vaguest way. Uh, so once we started digging into the actual facts and looking in Wyoming as well, the story just got deeper and deeper. It's tied into Hawaiian history. It tied into the history of the American West. And, you know, as nonfiction writers, it's always fascinating for us to find these stories that, you know, challenge the, the status quo. They kind of overturn these black and white attitudes that people can have about certain things. Mm -hmm. So it's just showing the, the, the actual complexity, the much more interesting, complex reality of stories. And I love the American West. Well, the American West is magnificent, but Hawaii as all, as well, giving birth to all these graces. As a matter of fact, Julian, when I was a when I was a very young kid, I read all these stories about Aku Papuli, who was a big time disc jockey in Hawaii. You ever heard that name before, Julian? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Well, you you know Aku then. That's great. He was one of my great uh, great inspirations because he was knocking down this huge amount of money in Hawaii. Because he was a legendary disc jockey in Hawaii. Isn't he a white guy, though? He was a white guy. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. Aku Papuli was a white guy, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And he died very young because he might have hit the sauce a little too hard, if you know what I'm saying. But 
Hawaii always gives birth, and they, they tend to be true stories, by the way. They're not fictionalized, at least the ones that I've read. Hawaii has all these great stories, but I didn't know about this one, the Aloha Rodeo, uh, Three Hawaiian Cowboys. What's that all about? Well, at the end of the 19th century, the beginning of the 20th century, uh, the Paniolo tradition was you know, fully in place in Hawaii, and it was also the birth of rodeos. You know, the era of the Wild West was kind of coming to an end. The open range was being fenced off, and the residents of the American West were really conscious of this, and they, they set out to you know, preserve this culture that they were really proud of, this way of life. So that was kind of how rodeos started to come about, and they even trickled out to Hawaii. Hawaii had some rodeos in Honolulu. And so in 1907, a Paniolo named Eben Lowe traveled to the United States, uh, stopped off at the White House to meet Teddy Roosevelt, as you could do back then, and ended up out in Cheyenne, Wyoming, where the Frontier Days was pretty much the biggest rodeo in the world. And he was sitting on the fence thinking, you know, wow, these guys are pretty good, but I bet my cousins back in Hawaii can beat them. And that's how the story got rolling. And the next year, they came to the U.S. and did just that. And why isn't this part of American history? Because I've never heard of this before. That's a really good question. <laughs> you know, that's what we set out to, uh, to solve that problem. Yeah, I just, why do people love to hide stories? That's an amazing, shouldn't you be proud of how the thing, things kind of developed and all these different uh, people were involved, whether it be Mexico or Hawaii or whatever, or Canada, certainly. Why do people love to hide these stories? Because it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, there's just, there's so many of them, too. I mean, in our research, we came across so many fascinating side stories, and it's, it's really hard to resist sometimes going down the, the side roads and sticking to your main story. But, you know, we came across half a dozen that could be a, a book in their own. But, uh, yeah, I think people, I think there's a tendency to, to simplify history, especially, and especially in the Wild West, where it was it was a lot more complicated, like you were saying in the beginning, and interesting, but... You know, for those of us who grew up on John Wayne movies and Lonesome Dove and, you know, that kind of black and white, good guys, bad guys narrative, uh, it's easy to lose sight of all of these really fascinating other stories. Well, that's basically how history is taught is there's good guys and there's bad guys. Yeah. And then they go on to the next thing when there's good guys and bad guys. I'm just trying to imagine being a villager in some small village on the big island in like 1896 and then all of a sudden you see this guy riding on the back of his huge animal and you've never seen one <laughs> yeah yet. exactly right the, the descriptions of the hawaiians reaction to the first ca cattle that they were brought out are really really fascinating because they'd never even seen a land animal bigger than a pig no at right, that point that's and suddenly these protein source, these monsters right, come ashore and they uh mm -hmm. they didn't know what to do at first but they soon learned yeah yeah. Hawaii really isn't uh, set up to uh, feed animals that big either, so, you know, that's probably why they had to roam so far and destroy everything to just find some grass to eat. Yeah, and it takes some effort to get uh, something as big as a, as a steer all the way out there to the middle of the Pacific, too. Yeah. Now, is the book available everywhere? Yes, everywhere from your local bookstore to Amazon, uh, Powell's, IndieBound. Yeah, it's available in audiobook and Kindle as well. The book is called Aloha Rodeo, Three Hawaiian Cowboys, The World's Greatest Rodeo, and A Hidden History of the American West. Julian Smith. Julian, great, great story. See, I just, I love learning about things like this. I appreciate your time today. 
Oh, thanks very much for having me. It's our great pleasure. Julian Smith, ladies and gentlemen, Aloha Rodeo, three Hawaiian cowboys, the world's greatest rodeo, and a hidden history of the American West. We'll be back with the family.